and welcome back to the Election Board Game. I'm your host, Adam Collins. A few episodes back, I talked about the fantastic, clever trilogy by Wolfgang Varsh. In that episode, I said that my friends and I had a stack of roll and rights that we played. And in this episode, I'm going to focus on three more easy-to-learn, fun-to-play roll and write games. Quix, Quinto, and Ripple Rush. Quix, that's Q-W-I-X-X, was designed by Stefan Bendorf and published by GameRight Games. It came out in 2012 and it has a 6.9 rating on BoardGameGeek with 9,400 reviews. Quinto, that's Q-W-I-N-T-O, came out in 2015 and holds a 7.1 rating with 2,500 reviews. And it was designed by Bernhard Locke and Uwe Rapp. And it is published by Pandasaurus Games. The games look similar, play similar, but are not associated with each other. Both of them boast a 15-minute play time, but I think it's a little closer to 20 or 25 minutes when you have three or more players. Finally, Ripple Rush came out in 2020, and it comes from Stronghold Games, and the box looks eerily similar to that of the Clever Games. So picking this one up after friends suggested it was a no-brainer. Being that new, it only has 62 ratings, and yet it holds a 6.3, and it was designed by Ken Gruel. Rule Clarity. Each of these games has very simple rules. I remember that reading Quinto's rules was a bit confusing at first, but after watching a quick how-to-play video on YouTube, I fully understood how to play. Time to explain to newcomers. Alright, none of these games takes longer than three minutes to explain. You can explain the rules right after you hand out your laminated score sheets. And your dry erase marker. Gameplay. Alright, I'm going to go through these one at a time. First up, Quicks. It requires that everyone has a score sheet and writing utensil. The first player then takes all six of the dice and rolls them. There are four colors. Red, blue, green, yellow and then two white dice. Everyone, the roller and the passive players, then have a chance to score the white dice sum. But no one has to score this. It is an option for everybody. Then the active player has a chance to combine one of the colors with one of the white dice to make a sum and score it in its associated row. There are two catches. First, the active player must score some combination or take a strike. So you can score the white dice combination or a white and color dice or both, but you must score one or take a strike. Four strikes and you're out. Secondly, once you score a number in a row, you cannot score anything to the left of that number. For example, if you choose to score the blue 10, you will not be able to score the blue 11 or 12. If you choose to score the red 3, the red 2 is no longer available for you to mark off. At the end of the game, you get points based on how many numbers you marked off in each row, minus 5 points for every strike you took. The game ends when either one person gets their fourth strike or a second row is locked. Any player can lock any row provided that they have at least 5 marks in it, not counting the 2 or 12, and then they can get the last number in the row. So for red and yellow, you need a 12 either a double six in white or a white six and a red or yellow six. The blue and green rows require snake eyes. If you're lucky enough to lock a row, marking off the lock counts as a mark too. A perfect row would be 12 marks and would score you an amazing 78 points for that row alone. 
I have never seen this happen, but I'm sure it can since it's on the score sheet. Once a row is locked, that die is then removed from the game and no one can mark any more numbers off in that track, and the highest score wins. Next, I want to talk about Ripple Rush. Technically, this is a flip and right, not a roll and right, but I think it's close enough. The rules are crazy stupid in how they word the beginning. All you need to know is that every player gets dealt 20 cards in a stack face down in a score sheet. Then, two random bonus cards, they have a different back, are drawn and selected at random. These two rows on those two bonus cards offer a three-point bonus if you can fill in all four shapes to the right. Simultaneously now, each player flips their top card. It will have a color and a number. For the visually impaired, each color has its own shape as well. Each player will then decide where to place that number in the associated column. There are 100 cards. Each color and shape has a card numbered 1 through 25. The catch here is, once you place a number in the column, you have to keep getting higher towards the top and lower towards the bottom. You need to be a little aware of what other people have been marking off from their stacks. If you know that one person has marked off the 25 in blue, and you get the 24, you know you can put that in your top row without worrying that you'll get the 25 as well. Why is this an issue? If you cannot use your card, all your opponents will get a chance to use it. They don't have to, but it would rarely not benefit them if they can. If you ever fill in a row, you get the bonus for that row. For example, if you fill in the top row, you will get to place a 5 anywhere you want. If you fill in a row, say the red triangle, you can then place any number anywhere in the red column. You can use these bonuses to string together more bonuses if they are timed right. Once all 20 cards have been played, the game ends. To score, you get one point per number in your longest contiguous stretch in each color, and then three points for each bonus that you might have completed from the beginning. For example, if you get the top two red, then miss the third one, got the fourth, miss the fifth, but then got the bottom four, you will score four points in red. Now I saved Quinto for last because it really feels like a combination of the other two. Each player is given a score sheet, and then the active player has a choice of rolling one, two, or all three of the dice. They are three different colors, red, yellow, and purple. Whatever combination of dice is picked, that is where the resulting sum can be entered. If all three are rolled, you can put the sum in any circle or pentagon you want. The active player gets one chance to re-roll the result one time per turn, and the second result must be kept. The same dice combination must also be kept. Then all players have a chance to put that number in a corresponding spot. The active player must place this number or take a strike similar to quicks. The passive players do not if the number does not benefit them. Like with Ripple Rush, the catch is, once a number is placed in the row, you must get smaller to the left and larger to the right. The game ends when a single player gets their fourth strike or when a player fills two complete rows. To score this game, each row gets either the amount of numbers in it or if you completed the row, you get the number furthest to the right. 
which should be your highest value if you did it right. Then there are five pentagons. To score the pentagons, you have to fill the column in which the pentagon is, and then add that value to your score. Then simply subtract five for each strike you took, and once again the highest score wins. Replayability As you can probably tell, all three of these games have a high level of replayability. Since I have started playing each of these, and it's only been since Thanksgiving or later, Ripple Rush has been played 35 times. Quicks, 27, and Quinto, 14. It's the latest one that we just added to our collection. They are all sorts of fun, and just the right amount of frustrating. Artwork. Being abstract games like the Clever Trilogy, the graphic design is far more important, but all three are spot on here in their color and graphic design. Component quality. Well, I love the dice, and I laminated my score sheet. What more is there to say? Ripple Rush's number cards are a bit thick and hard to shuffle. I would like to see those cards be more regular playing card types, but other than that, there's really nothing to knock in these three games. Bang for the buck. Ripple Rush has an MSRP of $19.99, Quicks $11.99, Quinto $14.99. Honestly, there is no reason not to get these and add them to your Roll and Write collection. They come with everything you need except pencils if you get Quicks. Lunchtime Potential Like the Clever Trilogy, these have not made it to the office yet due to the pandemic. They have, however, been played numerous times over lunch. We typically play two games of Quicks or Quinto and three games of Ripple Rush in an hour. Maybe they'd go faster in person, but they play just fine over a video conference call using a program of your choice. Other. Quicks has two challenge versions called Quicks Mix and Quicks Scramblix. They can be found on BoardGameGeek and easily downloaded. Mix really messes with your eyes. It changes colors along the rows, but the numbers stay in sequence. Then, when you lock a row, that die comes out, but you can still score that color with the white sum only. And then there's Scramblix, which is also very frustrating. The color stays the same along the row, but the numbers are all out of sequence. But like normal quicks, once you mark off a number, you can't score anything to the left of it, even if it's lower. So instead of 2 through 12 or 12 through 2, the red one goes 10, 6, 2, 8, 3, 4. Well, you get the picture. Once a color's locked, that dice taken out, just like in the regular game, and no more can be marked off in that row. In summary, the biggest problem that I have with these games is that they are too cheap not to buy. And every time I fall in love with one roll and write, I find yet another that I must have. Quicks, Quinto, and Ripple Rush are especially great because they can be played two or three times in a lunch hour. The other day, my buddies played Quicks while waiting on me to join in on the call. Then we snuck in a game of Quinto before going back to work. Two games in less than 50 minutes. If you're a fan of Roll and Rights, these need to be added to your collection. What Roll and Write games should I purchase next? Email or leave me a comment on Facebook and let me know. That's facebook.com slash eatlunchandboardgame or eatlunchandboardgame at gmail.com. And remember, board games build bridges.
Average Joe's Gaming is a weekly podcast brought to you by us. I'm Joe. I'm Tom. We talk about all things game-related. In this hour-long podcast, you'll discover what has arrived in the game room, which Funko Pop Tom just could not resist, and maybe, if you're lucky, we might get around to talking about games. Might. Tune in weekly. You can find us on all of your favorite podcast formats. Stay in tune with all things sports around Indiana and the nation with the Crash Course Podcast. Each week, we tackle the big storylines from the world of the Colts, Pacers, and the Indiana College scene, while also keeping a pulse on the nation. We record live weekly at twitch.tv slash 3C Media, and can be found on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever podcasts can be heard, you can catch the Crash Course Podcast. When you're gaming, why not be comfy? Go over to supportplayer.org. Click on the cards, pieces, and dice to get some merch. These t-shirts are some of the most comfortable I have ever worn. That's supportplayer.org, and there's a link on eatlunchandboardgame.com.